about taking back the power that was forced from you. Strong force becomes a love language. It's only through strong force that the narrative is altered. Immersion therapy. Relating the experience to alter the lenses of perception. Self-acceptance becomes self-love. Transformation in the fire. Alchemy. Shadow work. The removal of the ego. That's kind of how BDSM goes back into it's not always sexual. I mean, granted, if you told them that they were playing humiliation play, they wouldn't totally agree with it. But it is a form of it. Yes. Then there's the episode where they have the dildo on the rocket and they launch it up. (laughs) And then you can tell them, yeah, man, that is totally humiliation play. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Just press foreplay. What is up, my loves? Welcome back to another episode of Just Press Foreplay. This week we are closing BDSM month um, with a little bit of a little dabble in some traumas, a little dabble in why the mind goes, the places it goes. Um, is BDSM unhealthy for you to explore if you've been extremely traumatized? So we're going to dive into all of that on this episode. Um, before we get there, please go like and subscribe, justpress4play.com. Here you can uh, find our Reddit tab. You can check out our Pinterest board, which this week there is a ton of new videos for everyone to go look at. If you are having issues processing trauma or trying to just get your mind to figure out the small details on why your body reacts the way it does. I threw some videos in there for that. We are not anyone important. We do not have all of the indoctrination documentation to be legally allowed to talk about any whatevers that are legally allowed to be talked about for whatever. So that's why we have the Pinterest board. So you can do your own research, so you can use your beautiful mind that you have been given to explore what's right for you and find more detail for you. Um, With that, if you want to support the show, we also have our affiliate links on justpress4play.com. You can register as a customer to have access to all of the products that we use in our household and have been using for the last, like, seven plus years. Um, So feel free to go check that out. There's a lot of bonus programs for registering as a customer as well. Welcome. We have Patrick here today. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Yesterday we went to uh, Port Townsend, so we're all, we're both a little um, ocean drunk. <laughs> so this week I want to break down traumas and triggers because there's a big difference between the two. Um, traumas are going to be external events and your body's internal response to the external event. Triggers and traumas are very different in this way because your trauma response will lock up. That's Charlie. She says hi. (laughs) Your trauma response will lock emotion away in the body to be processed when you are in a safer space. Um, Trigger moments are moments that happen when you've neglected going back to nurture that stored away energy. So... Your body has basically created an emotional symbol for you, um, something that will remind you that it has energy hiding from something that you avoided processing, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so a sensation within your body, or that, so that symbol is like your mental symbol, and then your body's reacting is going to be the sensations that you're feeling. It's all your mental awareness of, hey, there's something here that we have not dealt with and need to deal with. 
the longer that you hold on to these emotions, the more your body is going to find different ways to be like, hey, hello, I'm still here. This is still here. And a lot of times that comes through in different types of kinks and different types of fetishes. So that's why we're here. Um, I want to remind everyone that kink is nothing to be ashamed of. It literally is just your body's response to something that has happened in your mind to your body neurological pathways that have been created because of the experience. So do not ever shame anyone for having a kink. Do not ever shame yourself for having a kink. A lot of the times when you go to extremes of shaming yourself for these things, you actually make the traumatized body react even more because you're neglecting something it's bringing up to you. There are healthy ways. A lot of people debate on whether or not BDSM is a healthy way to deal with trauma. And there are a, there are a few questions you can ask to get yourself to figure out if you're doing it in a healthy way or not. So the first one and the obvious one, we say it all of the time, do not hurt others and do not be hurting yourself. If you can't answer this question with, and, and it's like, no, I am hurting someone and other people, then you need to address that first before you can continue with this practice. Is your fetish so strong that it's keeping you from being present in moments with your partner? So this would mean that, like, if is your kink so strong that you can't get off in any other way unless there's a stiletto in your mouth? Like, there's certain extremes that you can take things where it's like, mm, you're getting borderline to where it's not healthy. Because just like anything in life, if you have an excess of certain fruits, you're going to see a negative reaction from that. Like, what is poison of the body? excess of anything excess too much food is poison for your body too much water can be poisonous for your body so it's everything in moderation yes yes and then the big question that you need to be asking to yourself is how do you feel afterwards and then there's two ways that this can go so there's the personal shame that you're putting on yourself but you have to ask is it because of societal norms that you're putting that shame on yourself or go back to the first question, are you putting shame because you're hurting someone or you're hurting yourself? So these are all things that you have to really, really explore. Um, after BDSM play, you should be feeling liberated. You should be feeling like you explored emotions that were hidden within you, that you're able to have a better grasp on, a better understanding of, and you have a better connection with your body and your mind on the subject. If you're walking away not feeling that way, then communication needs to happen and where you can find a way to make it to where you can answer that question of, yes, I do feel good when I walk away from the experience. With kinks and with fetishes, it's really important to be using these for emotional experiences. If you are using them for climactic experiences, then it's going back to, you know, it's doing it in excess because if you need this every single time to climax. You're conditioning your body to think that without this object, without this symbol here, you cannot get there. When in reality, you should be using it to just spark those emotions, to play around with the emotions that it brings up, but not having climax be your goal. Um, use your fantasies to explore what emotions your mind and body are speaking to you. We say it all the time in the podcast, learn the language of what your body is speaking to you. This is so important. We don't get anxiety and depression for no reason. All of it is a symbol of what the fuck your body's trying to communicate. And you have to tune in and you have to listen and you have to be willing to constantly fine tune and 
polish the edges and it's it's your life it's your body it's your sexual experiences it's the energy that you put out, out in the world so it deserves that nurturing and that care to figure out where everything's at you know um so I have a really good friend who I had kind of went back and forth with just talking about um the subject together and she's very spiritual very beautiful mindset on a lot of things and so I want to just read you It kind of comes off as a little bit of a poem, but I want to read this to you just so you can get an idea of the mind behind trauma and exploring BDSM. So she said, it's about exploring trauma in a safe space, allowing yourself to heal, accepting what happened, and leaning into it, surrender to the shadow, sitting with it and accepting yourself, loving our hurts. It's about taking back the power that was forced from you. Strong force becomes a love language. It's only through strong force that the narrative is altered. Immersion therapy. Relating the experience to alter the lenses of perception. Self-acceptance becomes self-love. Transformation in the fire. Alchemy. Shadow work. The removal of the ego. The opening of the soul of the heart. Healing wounds. I I noticed that a lot of people were asking questions like, is roleplay traumatizing to the body or is it healing um, when you're going back through those experiences, what do you think? It just depends on how you use the experience. If you use it as just a way to get off, then it's probably just going to continue the cycle. But if you actually use it to, to sit and feel the emotions, if you don't sit and actually feel the emotions, you're, ne- you're never going to know what to look for and you're never going to recognize it when it is there. So you have to develop that awareness before you're in the situation, I think. Yeah, I feel like um, also if you're... Because when you're focusing on just the climax, you are avoiding the emotions around it. And that's everything your body's trying to bring up to you. Exactly. So, yeah, you 100% decide for yourself if it's going to be become if it's going to become more traumatizing or not. I think the partner that you choose is always going to be the most important for this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm, Because some people don't understand the BDSM world. They think that it's centered around violence. They think it's centered around just big, forceful power moves. And having to submit and having no choice, but that's not it at all. It's so delicate around conversation and nurturing and understanding and feeling each other's energy and noticing when the body reacts. Um, That's why we had the whole episode on consent, because it's so important to understand that first. So if your partner is noticing those things about you, it's absolutely healing. Um... What it's doing is allowing the emotions that have been pocketed away in your body subconsciously, it's allowing them a way to be released. You're completing a loop for yourself. And in order to be free-flowing, it's so important that we stop kink-shaming because everyone is going to have a different type of kink and it's not going to always make sense to you why it's there. Um, It doesn't always make sense to them why it's there either. So it's just like when we're in school and someone bullies you over like something that you're wearing, it leaves an impression on you. Like you remember that moment for so long and you might avoid doing certain things because you're like, oh, back in grade school, I got made fun of for it or whatever. But when you're brought into adulthood and it's kink shaming, you're either going to just avoid telling your partner completely and act out on these things in ways that are conti- going to continue to make you feel more and more shameful. Um, or you're just going to explore it and, you know, do you and not care and 
as long as you're communicating and, and people are respecting your boundaries, then that's fine too. But don't ever shame people because you don't know what they went through to get them to have that fetish or that kink. I feel like the more that you shame your own body, the deeper you make those wounds that you were trying to heal. And it's like whenever your body's trying to communicate to you through giving you a sensation. So like the stilettos are your fetish. You see the stiletto, you get a sensation in your body. If you're ignoring it and you're shaming it because you're like, oh, I don't know why I do that. I don't like it. You're essentially gaslighting your body. You're telling your body, no, you're wrong. Whatever you're saying right now, you're wrong. Yeah, your words and your actions start to misalign and your body gets confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want you guys to understand that kinks and all of these things, they can, they, they're meant to, to liberate you from shame. You're supposed to have like emotional growth through it because you're bringing awareness to your mind, your body, and your soul, the whole connection on the experience. Some people enjoy BDSM and never came from trauma. So also keep that in mind too. Like there's so many aspects to the spectrum, but that's why it's important to just have respect for it all the way around. For a lot of people, reliving some of these experiences is their opportunity to reclaim their personal sexuality. So like with rape fantasies, if they had been raped before, um, it's their way of having a partner who is protecting them, caring for them, possibly going through some of the same things, but it just unlocks those emotions for you. It brings you back to yourself. That person no longer took something from you. You reclaimed it. Um, When you're playing with kink and BDSM, it's an extremely vulnerable space for a lot of people. Um, So it's important that you pay attention to the body language of each other. Make sure that you're paying attention to the eye contact of each other. Um, For a lot of people, these kinks are sometimes a headspace or an alter ego that they jump into. Um, So there are times where we'll get into caregivers and littles in a little bit, but I'll use them for an example. So like with littles, and this is adult to adult, BDSM with caregivers and littles does not promote pedophilia. Um, It is 100% adult to adult consensual and... It doesn't promote pedophilia. So I just want to have that disclaimer there because a lot of people will kink shame um, caregivers and littles because they think that it promotes that. When in reality, I think it actually helps more people not act in those ways than not because you're exploring whatever trauma you had as a childhood. So your brain's not going to create different pathways to explore it. Doing it with a partner who understands your headspace allows you to do it in a safe environment. Oh, the other thing I want to add in here real quick, too, because you'll since you've been introduced to this world and some of the terminology, you're going to start noticing things you didn't notice before. So like Instagram accounts, you'll see little words on there that will say like CGL or or daddy dom or little sub to daddy or something like that. You'll start to notice these things more. Uh, just because you see these types of subtitles in their accounts does not give you the okay to send them dirty messages, to be provocative to people over over media messages or whatever. Most of the time, people who participate in being littles, it literally is a headspace of being in a younger age. So 
when you're sending these kinds of nasty, dirty messages to them, it's an extreme turnoff because that's not what their kink is about. It's not about pretending to be a little girl for your sick pleasure. It's them trying to express something they never got as a child. Most of the time, it's not even sexual. Absolutely. Most of the time, it's just, hey, I I need to be a little kid because I didn't get to be a little kid when I was a kid Mm -hmm. or something similar to that or some traumatic experience. And so Mm -hmm. it's them reliving their childhood. So with with people who are in caregiver little situations, um, say their little doesn't play that character 24-7 because that's a lot of the times the case. You're not in this alter ego all day. For some people, you are. Some people, you aren't, though. Um, So they're... Some people have like little subconscious things that they don't even know that they're doing. And it can be kind of like your awareness of like, okay, this is a behavior mechanism of some sort. So like an adult throwing a temper tantrum because you told them no, it's almost like a behavior mechanism because no triggered some sort of response from when they were a child or something of that matter. So if you're in a relationship where you're noticing these small little things, it might be someone who doesn't realize that they have a trauma of that sort, but they their headspace regresses to being a child in certain moments. And so once you start to recognize these things, then you don't take how people behave so close to heart instead you can see it as like oh wow maybe something did happen to you as a child and maybe don't communicate that right away but for your own personal awareness and if you're in a relationship with those people or say it's a friend or something like that there's small little things that you can do to help them in those moments so if they're throwing a tantrum instead of shutting them down recognizing okay this is a regression headspace if i were in front of a child who were doing this i wouldn't react to shut them down You would want to do something to kind of encourage them to bring the magic back into whatever the moment is for them. So that way they then are no longer throwing a tantrum. Exactly. You know, so it's just a lot of awareness that goes into it. Um, I want to, well, actually, let's talk about, I want to talk about grooming first, because I think this is very important in the BDSM world, because there are people who are so dominant in their mentality that there's the borderline between what's manipulation and what is being a dom. And I feel like some people can blur those lines for other people. So say they're experienced and they find someone who's just curious but never actually played in the world. Um, Communicating in such a way that narrates for people what you want them to do without actually communicating with them what it is that they want or need. It's a form of grooming and it's like for like pedophilia. So you're, there's a child close to you, you're nurturing them, you, you buy them toys all the time or whatever. There's like a bond and a trust that's built. You know that your alternate agenda is because you're a sick fuck and you're trying to get in this little child's pants. The child has no idea what's going on. They think you're being kind to be kind. They think that you're developing a friendship. They think that you don't have an ulterior motive or an alternate agenda for them and for caring for them. So make sure that you're not grooming. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, don't be manipulative. (laughs) 
Because it's a, it's a, it's an extremely vulnerable space for people, and you're you can completely ruin it for them if you're not being careful of these things. So, like we said, with littles and caregivers, you'll see that you'll see CGL is kind of like their label for that uh, caregiver little. It's not always sexual, like we said. Every relationship, like all relationships, have their own dynamics to it. The vulnerable space that the little goes into is an extreme privilege for their caregiver. They're not, it's not something that they do just for anyone. It's when a genuine trust has been built, they truly feel safe around this person. And they're given the opportunity to jump into a headspace where they can just be completely themselves. They can be carefree. They can be vulnerable. They can be unapologetically who they are and just play and not have to worry about responsibilities and all of those things. Um, it's really important to not ever reject your little. Um, don't ever play power moves with them. It literally is like having a child there. Yeah. You know? Um, but knowing that that child is going through a healing process and having to heal. Exactly, exactly. And it's the same as, like, the dom-sub relationships. It's not all about whatever the dom wants to do. It's the dom having the privilege to work through that with the sub. And so if you understand it correctly, then you get how it all works. Never say that they're annoying because that could be a huge trigger for them. They could be acting this way because they were told they were annoying as a child so never felt like they could express themselves. It's a very caring place that you need to keep them in. It's a very, like... Santa exists, here's the magic, the Christmas and the cookies. Like, that's the image you always want to uphold for them, and they trust you to uphold that for them. And holding consistency for them is really, well, I mean, negotiate with with who you're with, but consistency, rules, structure, and punishments is kind of like the whole excitement of this. They want to be told what's best for them. They want to be told what they should be doing, having the option of saying no, throwing a little bit bit of a fit about it, but keeping it playful. It's not about cutting them down. It's not about having punishments because you didn't do blah, blah, blah. It's just about almost like being reparented in a way. Yeah. yeah. They're looking to find ways to have those structures work for them, but they can't do it themselves. So it's a little hard jumping into these role-playing dynamics because sometimes it's like you're not living this way 24-7. You know, you're not going to go to the grocery store, give your partner a lollipop, and you guys are going to jump into role play, you know? So it's like, where does it start? Um, how do you begin it? I think it's really important to know what your beginning and what your end is for role playing. So say you guys had your negotiations beforehand and you know, okay, so our experience is going to begin when I knock on the door. It's going to end when I leave. So having those endpoints for yourself so that way you don't ever, if if you are getting annoyed from your partner being in child play or being in the headspace of being a little, um, those boundaries are there for you as well. A lot of people will have rituals that they put in place. So like Maybe your little has a favorite stuffy that they like, or maybe they ask for hot chocolate or something. The rituals will usually be the same every time. So you'll be able to recognize when your little wants to jump into this space because they'll ask for something specific every time when they're starting to do that. Um, there's also situations where you'll just start to see your partner do it subconsciously. 
Um, and maybe they had a rough day and they didn't talk to you about it. And you guys go to the grocery store and, you know, these parts are starting to act up and you're recognizing it. Just be really nurturing around that. Don't, don't shame them for it. Don't, you know, it, they're, they're slipping into little space. And so it's your job to kind of guide and nurture that. A lot of emotional outbursts are like a sign that they're slipping into it as well. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, while I was researching this, I noticed like some things I definitely don't play as a little ever. It's not something I'm interested in. Some people take it into the extreme of like being interested in wearing diapers all day. Some people like being changed, like there's different dynamics to it. But when they're talking about like the emotional outbursts and there's certain things that I notice that I do where I feel like I am like after researching it, I'm like, is that me regressing a little bit? Like, is that me behaving in a way where I'm like, well, I mean, if you think about it, all of us have an inner child that hasn't been properly raised and properly loved. And so all of us have those little parts of us that I'm sure I probably do. I throw tender tantrums all the time. <laughs> so I think it's, it's, some people, the only way they feel they can get healing from it is through getting Playing into that space out. and replaying it. Mm-hmm. Whereas people like you and me who who don't feel the need to do that, there's still some moments where we have those triggering of traumas that we haven't necessarily dealt with because maybe we don't know that we haven't dealt with them yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think people could slip into a regressed, regressed mindset in terms of becoming more childlike, but we all have inner children that haven't been fully loved and accepted and no. Yeah, but it's like I liked researching this because then it's like now if you do throw a tantrum, I'm not going to be like angry at you like motherfucker you're throwing a tantrum. <laughs> Instead it's like oh shit, maybe your body is responding to something that you don't know and I don't know. Right. So I feel like understanding this whole world just gets you closer to just understanding people as a collective, Humans. you know. <laughs> well yeah, cuz we're all like uh we're all products of all of the shit that's been happening to us. You know, the same traumas we have are not the same traumas that our grandparents had. Hopefully not. Well, and it's also another thing, too, is like sometimes I feel like when trauma is not dealt with, it still gets passed on in the bloodline. Mm -hmm. So we're almost like a collective of past traumas and trying to just navigate all of that. Well, especially if you recognize that time and space don't technically exist and time is just a man-made manufactured thing that we decided, okay, every time we go around the sun, it's going to be this long. But in reality, like, there's no past, present, and future. There's just the moment that is now. Mm-hmm. And there's an infinite number of timelines that can line up with that. So there's an infinite number of possibilities of where you're at and how you can be. But you can also change that at any point, too. Yeah. So the m- most important thing, I think, with all of that is just having the awareness. Having the awareness, removing your ego from it, and then seeing where that takes you from there. I feel like kinks kind of change a little bit as you grow, too. So, like, as you are working through certain types of traumas, that kink may not exist for you four years from now. With some of the research we were doing, technically, some kinks are labeled as disorders. And I don't like that because I feel like a disorder is, like, something that you can't fix. But it's like if you're working through it emotionally... I feel like a disorder is more something that's going to cause interference in your normal, normal functioning life. So okay. like, it, I feel like it becomes a disorder when it starts affecting your life outside of those moments. Like if you're starting to aggress at work and it's starting to cause problems with the people you work with or your boss, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's going to become a disorder because it's starting to interfere with you functioning as a normal human mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. So I don't, I don't think, 
I think most of these things are not until taken to that extreme. Or neglected to the point where it does become that. Which is still an extreme. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And it's all about finding what works well for you because some people, some people do jump into little space and choose to be that all the time. Oh, the husky's howling. <laughs> I think it's important to remember with all of this that there are more people who have kinks and fetishes than there are people who don't. Um, so don't think that you're strange for whatever it is that pops up in your mind and you're like, oh, why is that there? Um, most people who have fetishes can remember an impressionable moment from childhood in which they first realized that they had a fascination with it. I feel like a lot of times sexual energy is so repressed and so misunderstood. We're not educated on it properly from a young age. And so we... So an imprint is left on us with an object or an idea of something um, when we've experienced a sensual or sexual moment as a child, but didn't really understand what it was. And that doesn't mean someone touching you or someone hurting you or anything in that way. Just walking in on your parents. Uh, it doesn't need to be as extreme as walking in on your parents. It can be something small too. So say like as a child, your mom used to rub your back while you were eating, but you had for the centerpiece on the table was a a bowl of fruit and now you have a fetish for fruit and i was gonna say bull whip a bull whip yeah what if there's like a bull whip hanging behind your dad on the mantle like above the fireplace and like you just always associated that with sure i mean maybe your mom was rubbing your back while feeding you and your dad always came in and spanked your mom <laughs> now you don't know why but you associate spanking as sensual moments it doesn't always mean sexual it's just that an energy was felt in your body for that moment and so now you associate that it created a symbol it created um an impression on you it created an impression on your mind or like you neurologically feel closer to sexuality when this object is around now not everyone can pinpoint it to those things but chances are if you have a fetish that's some sort of like an an object or something like that if you think about it you will start to put it together on where it came from and that's why it's important to keep a kink journal oh he just jumped into me <laughs> That's why it's important to keep a kink journal so that way you can explore what's going on in your mind during these moments and get yourself through it. Odie, I wish you guys could see this right now. Odie has his head on my shoulder and Wrapped he around you. has forced his way around my body <laughs> for the best dog. <laughs> ball in mouth, of course. Oh my God. Odie without a tennis ball is not an Odie. <laughs> Um, okay, so I hope I didn't make caregiver and little sound um, bad because it's really not bad. It can be a very fun type of play, but I wanted to address that one first because it's. I feel like it's one of the most controversial ones. Um, hi, Vivi, your breast stinks. <laughs> um, financial dominance and cash slaves. What do you think of when I say that? The scene in Bonding where they're getting paid a hell of money to just go <laughs> shop and the guy's sitting there like getting off on them spending all his money and stuff. In a form, it's almost like a dystopia fetish. So like people who have always had it wealthy, never had to experience being broke or being on a budget. That's one extreme of it. So they'll have their 
their um their doms have full control of their finances and they want that they want you to tell them what they can spend it's almost like um but there's there's a fine balance so like you can't just it's not that like this guy just wants to not have money it's a character development that's built these people who are doms to or these people who are in the financial dominance position i don't know how to properly terminate it but you know what i mean um they figure out where the ticking points are for this individual. They figure out where those financial hurts are and toy with those. So it's like more of a mental fuck right. that they're getting rather than an actual sexual Which arousal. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it turns them on to it. And it's almost like uh, being, being one of the, we were watching something and one of the guys, he, I think his it's almost like a coping mechanism for him. So his family no longer talks to him and he's like, I just I have all this money, but I don't I don't have anyone to care for. And that's the role of a man, he said. And he's like, so I I do this because then I'm caring for someone. I don't care that they take all my money. Like it makes him feel better that he's helping care for someone because his family doesn't want him caring for him. So and that's why it's important to not kink shame. Like you don't know why these people have these things. Why are you losing your entire family all because he wants to be a cash slave? Like, the right woman's like, fuck yeah, you can be my cash slave, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other one I want to talk about is humiliation. This one is very much a way... So, like, some people don't understand it at all because they don't ever want to be thrown the words that do genuinely hurt them. But it's almost like with humiliation play, you get to reclaim the words that hurt you in the past. So being degraded, being called a slut, um, enjoying shame, all of those things, it it gets you off because, yeah, those words can associate to you a little bit. Or you can flip the script and turn them into a positive experience with someone that cares about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so like, for example, being called a slut, like I... Liked it before when you didn't know what I was doing because it was like, oh, you do actually know what I'm doing. Like, it was just like this weird subconscious, like, why do I like that? I like it because I know I am being that way. But now that I've told you everything, now that you know everything that that went on, it doesn't feel good anymore because it's not like a secret that you know anymore. Instead, it's like, oh, are you judging me now? Because, no, you know, used that since since all that got settled. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so it's just funny the words that like your body reacts to and and the play that happens, but it's like you naturally just stop doing it. But that's because of the connection that we have. The energy shifted. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humiliation play can also be, I almost feel like, we were talking about this earlier. I feel like, um, what's it called? With Steve-O? Jackass. Jackass. I feel like Jackass and- Big humiliation stunt. Yeah, like it's a humiliation kink. They get off on being humiliated, on having to be completely vulnerable and... Everyone but Bam. <laughs> Bam would always throw a little fit when any when any of them would like pick on him or anything. He was the only one. Everyone else like, got a kick out of it and laughed yeah. at it, but he would throw a little temper tantrum. <laughs> Just thinking of the one time they, they, they trapped him in the horse cage with a snake. Wasn't it snakes though that really pissed him off the most? Oh yeah, I feel like it was always snakes. I don't. F- I feel like he's into humiliation play. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> like it's a, it is a form, and that's that's kind of how BDSM goes back into. It's not always sexual. I mean, granted, if you told them that they were playing 
humiliation play, they wouldn't totally agree with it. But it is a form of it. Yes. Then there's the episode where they have the dildo on the rocket and they oh, launch oh it my up. God, right into his asshole. <laughs> and then you can tell them, yeah, man, that is totally humiliation play. <laughs> that very true. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that extreme. It can be things that are just wordplay. It can be Everything's on a gray scale, you guys. Yeah. There's nothing there's no black and white. It's it's a sliding scale across everything. Mm-hmm. But if like if you and your partner are into pranking each other. You know, (laughs) might be on the spectrum of that. (laughs) Uh, Humiliation play can be a little bit difficult to like figure out what ways work for you guys for role playing as far as role playing goes. Um, If you go on Pinterest, there are so many variants of different types of scenes that you can get involved in with your partner. Um, So just like different types of monologues. Is that what it would be called? Dialogue. Dialogue. Between two people. Yeah. Monologue one person. Well, I mean, you could probably do both because if the other person's your submissive and you don't want them talking, then, you know, whatever. But they have so many you can look through. And the the thing you want to be careful about with humiliation play is you just want to make sure that you're not making wounds deeper. So... It's really about finding that exploration with your partner on what's actually hurting them so you don't do more of that and playing with the ones that they find arousing. Okay, let's talk about knife play. This one's really controversial, <laughs> I feel. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> know what you're doing. Um, if you want to practice, there are practice blades out there where you can get that have dulled edges that haven't been sharpened. Um, actually the throwing knives that we got are dull and actually work really nicely because you still could cut stockings or something. Yeah. But you don't, you wouldn't really risk cutting. Cutting skin person. or anything. Now we would because I put a chip in one of them. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think knife play would be the scariest for me if I knew my partner like sometimes got lost in their play, if that yeah. makes sense. You have to be with someone who is extremely present and knows their own boundaries and can stop themselves yeah extremely aware because yeah it could it could be traumatizing really really fast i feel like in that situation you have to be with someone who is there to help you and be there for you and is not there to get off for themselves yeah have you heard of mummification is that like where they just wrap people up in saran wrap yeah yeah and just make breathing holes for them I'm curious what types of things have happened to people who who enjoy that. Would straight jackets be a part of that? I don't know. Oh, you know, okay, so you know when your kid's like rolling someone up in the carpet? Yeah. I wonder if he like had older brothers and got left in the carpet. I could see that. It's like these small little moments just make you think twice about what impression people's you're making on people. Preferences as they grow older. Wow, that's interesting. Cause like I mean, obviously this didn't happen, but like, what if someone like, what if there was like a sex scene on the TV? And so he's stuck in this fucking Having to watch this carpet, sex scene. can't even watch it, just listening to it. And now you're associated to sex with being completely constricted. Huh. <laughs> like, these are the type of things that happen to us. And yeah, we have no, no idea, idea that it's stuck in our brain so strong. And now we're like, why am I kinky in this way? Well, <laughs> because well, we you had siblings and you got bullied. <laughs> right. Okay, so I want to talk about um, coming out with your kinks because 
I can see how if you have a partner who's not very frisky or explorative, how it would be hard to like say if you have these fantasies. Um, I think that it very much depends on how important the kink is to your lifestyle. I was watching a video on a girl who is a little and she's been a little for two years. And she was talking about how, because she's going to, she has a therapist who's kink friendly. And if it was something she was interested in, she was talking about like not being afraid to include your manager of the place that you work with in the sense of, hey, through therapy, I am working through this. And so I will be wearing a diaper to work. And it's important for you to know so that way when asked within the office, it's not a bullying situation, but instead I'm backed up and embraced on what it is that my journey is is right now. Right. And what I'm experiencing for myself. Um, there's people who are slaves for 24 hours a day. There's people who um, just enjoy kink on the side, but they shame themselves for it. They don't, they, they explore it. And they do it 100% in secrecy. And then it creates lifestyle problems that start to become disastrous or an issue or they're removed from the family because of, you know. It's getting treated as a disorder instead of a healing process. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more we hide it, the more that that starts to happen because your body's forcing you to explore it if you're having certain sensations. So... Don't avoid coming out to the people who are who who are your partners regarding this because it's so important. Um, pay attention to their body language if they're uncomfortable with it as you're explaining it to them, but continue the communication with it. If you see that they're uncomfortable, but they just kind of like brush it off like they they get it, they understand it doesn't bother them, but you feel like it does bother them. Keep the communication going with it. There's always going to be ways you can negotiate certain things within the relationship that will make it to where it eventually does work for the both of you. Sometimes the shock of hearing what certain kinks are can surprise people, not so much because of what the kink is, but more that, like, there's a shock that they didn't know that about you. Right. Um, not that like anyone's expected to, but I think it's almost just like a subconscious extra layer that's there. Well, especially if you've been in a relationship for a while and there's already a lot of trust built. It's like, wow, that's, that's a whole nother level of onion of you that I didn't know about. Yeah. And some people will take it as far as to be like, I don't even know who you are anymore, you know? And that's not, it should never be that way because certain kinks are so private to people. You don't know where it stems from. You don't know what it brings up. You don't know any of that. Exactly. And they don't know how you're going to react to it or if it's important to bring up or if something's wrong with them for having it. I think that's the biggest thing is feeling like there's something wrong with you for having it so you can't share it with people you love because they'll judge you on it. Which is the complete opposite. You should be telling them so they can help you heal through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's always going to be a way to figure out what's going to make it work for the both of you. There's trial and error through communication. And if your relationship is important to you and your kinks are important to you, very small increments of change through trial and error will make it to where you guys can get it figured out or at least have a better understanding of each other on it. Um, if they don't 
agree with you. If they shame you at all, um, if they make you feel in any way that something's wrong with you for wanting to explore this or anything like that, it might be a good idea for you to have the conversation of either having a kink relationship outside of your normal relationship. And this is where you see a lot of the poly relationships mm -hmm. happen because some people are uncomfortable with some things and that's fine. And BDSM isn't always sexual and that's fine. And being able to separate and compartmentalize this relationship is for this. This relationship is for this. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great for your health and for your mental health, especially. Exactly. You can't rely on one person to give you everything all the time. There's going to be times where you have to reach out to other people. Mm hmm. Yep, and if kink is one of those things, then fucking more power. Kink is one of those things. More power too. Yeah, there are more kinky people in the world than vanilla people. Yeah, it's 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 honestly crazy how many kinky people there are, and we just don't communicate it, and or we're kind of just like misconstrued to think that it's something that's negative or gross or raunchy, but it's not. Also, another thing to consider is if they truly don't see eye to eye with you on it and they're completely uncomfortable with you having a kink partner that relationship probably isn't the best one for you it's going to be a relationship in which you're probably going to create a lot of secrecy unintentionally yep just because you're denying yourself something that you already know is true within yourself um so with that i want to talk about kink karma <laughs> so kink karma is when you shame someone for coming out about their kinks to you and later on down the road, you then get involved in a relationship and they have a kink that they don't share with you, but they still explore it. You're just not a part of it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so keep that in mind because, I mean, I feel like that's kind of how kink is portrayed through media and through movies and stuff is that it's this hidden world about someone that no one knows exists about them except for themselves. It's probably because they got kink shamed in the past. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's so much better for you to be with someone who who fully understands what journey you're on and what it is you're trying to explore within yourself and to be a part of that with you and to be excited to be a part of that with you and to be excited to also learn things about themselves by helping you learn about what you need to learn for you. Because a lot of times with kink, like, it's it's a part of your truth that you're exploring, and especially if you're doing it in a healthy way. And it's important for you to stand by it, because if you allow someone to just take that away from you. It's no bueno. Mm -hmm. Have a backbone. You can be <laughs> submissive and have a backbone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And sometimes the submissive is is underlying the most dominant one, because they really do, they are the ones who call the shots. And when things are treated well, that's how it should be. Uh, but you'll find someone who honors your truth. You will. The more that you stand up for for who you are, what you believe in, what you know is right for yourself, the more the universe will move obstacles out of your way to bring those people to you. Um, you just have to continue on the journey of of knowing, trusting, and doing the best that you can. Yep, exactly. It was a month of bonding right there, y'all. It was a month of bonding. February. <laughs> Valentine's Day kicked it off. So much information. Um, next week, we are going to start a fun little snippet called Pickle of the Week. Pickle. Not <laughs> yes. at all what you think it is. Not at all. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 
leave us any comments, questions, whatever you want to talk about over on our just wedding. Just say hi to us. Yeah, over on our Reddit <laughs> page, justpressforeplay.com. This week's Pinterest board is loaded with stuff. I really encourage all of you, uh, whatever your kink is, get it down to a fine detail of what it is and dive into so much research on it. Get perspectives on people who are in relationships full-time with it. Get perspectives on people who have hid it from everyone in their life and get get the full spectrum of what it is the kink that you're interested in. I guarantee you that it will be exciting for you to learn parts about yourself. And sometimes you might research it and realize, you know what, actually, no, that's not a kink I'm interested in at all. Our minds are beautiful things. So take care of them, love them, and most importantly, love yourself. Bye. Bye.